Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who sometimes sleeps under his bed, too. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, honestly, I'll just sleep anywhere. I well, used exactly to be able like, to sleep like, absolutely uh, anywhere. The, the, the person we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but this person can sleep anywhere because he's just so tired. They're all just yeah, so everybody tired. in this movie Everyone. is just so so tired, including the so director. Tired. Yes, just so it maybe is the tiredest interview I've ever seen in my entire life. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. Yeah, you can. We do a non-criterion film over there every month that our supporters get to vote on. I come up with a little list, or sometimes the voters can suggest the list or suggest a particular movie they want to see, and I'll craft a list around it in the hopes that everyone just magically intuits uh, yeah, what, it's, it's definitely we magic and watch. not like really, really leading introductions to the list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would. Listen, you would never I put would your fingers never, on the scales, right? Never put my fingers on the scales. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a really overt way of putting our finger on the scale that I've. I, I don't want to say I've never used because I did at the very beginning when we only had one or two supporters and they weren't voting consistently. Right. Uh, if we ended up with a uh, with a bonus that had no votes uh, back, back mm. when we first started the Patreon, I would vote. But Patreon allows the page owner a vote in all polls. Right, which is weird, and, which just seems weird to me, but whatever. Yeah, since it's a hidden ballot, uh, we could vote and no one would know we would vote, except that I'm saying this on right. On except the for yeah, now. now you've now you've revealed uh, our dirty secrets. Yes. Yeah. So, so while while traditionally I have solved ties in the vote by rolling a die and posting the video of me rolling the die, which uh, I love because I don't really it, have to it, do that. it is it is a meaningless video because you could have rolled it as many times as you want and filmed it as many times <laughs> as you want. <laughs> that is, it is beautiful. Okay. Listen, I, I still love it. I it's really, a lovely concept. I realize that I am just yeah there there is still a level of trust that is not especially uh different than me just saying I rolled a die but uh but I could just vote yeah you could just also and just break cheat. the tie it's, like, it's all it's yeah. all it's all the at this point we get enough votes that we very rarely have we haven't had a tie oh, in yeah. for forever we haven't had a tie in a very long time. We've come close a couple times in the last few months, but we haven't actually had one in a very long time. But yes, uh, users get to vote. Supporters get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. Um, always a non-criterion film to get us a little bit of a difference. Sometimes it's stuff that maybe should be in the Criterion Collection, like Dog Day. Critters 2. Um, Critters 2. Classic. Uh, sometimes it's stuff that absolutely, probably, absolutely, probably <laughs> will never... <laughs> Will never be in the Criterion Collection until the Criterion Collection expands. Well, yeah, to the I mean, point. there is there is what we're working on, which is a sort of um, 
you know, the sort of gray goo philosophy of Criterion that'll that'll eventually yeah, yeah. consume everything. Right, 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 right. Uh but uh yeah, so we've watched some some real clunkers over there. Uh in what you know, Criterion Collection sometimes serves us something that is so not for Pat and I. Mm. Um and it's been a long time. I think. I, I think yeah, we've, we haven't had we've, really any like real wild we, stinkers in a while. As we consume more films, we have an ability to at least justify a stinker in a different way. I think uh, to to see what it's doing in a better way than yeah. than we We're did probably in our better first few hundred episodes. To be. I, I will admit that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've we've watched some real real bad movies on the on the in both places bonus really, episodes. Frankly. Probably. Anyway. But we do, uh, yeah, we strive to have fun over there and over here. Everywhere, really. We're very hedonistic. I'm half naked now and drunk. (laughs) I'm laughing because right before we started, Pat's wife came in and asked him why he wasn't drinking a beer. (laughs) And it's because he forgot (laughs) that he said he was going to drink a beer. I I did forget. I am am not good at remembering alcohol exists. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you're very silly, and I love you. The one dollar mark is access to all those bonus episodes. The entire back catalog of bonus episodes. There's 57 over there now. Uh, a little above that, five dollars. We like to thank the people at that mark, um, folks who can afford it and want to help us a little bit more, and we're very grateful for them. So thanks to Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Thank you very our much. Our current $5 supporters. Above that, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art each month based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized note, and mail that off. We also like to thank those supporters on air. So to our $10 and above supporters, thank you. Jason Westhaver, Patrick Yako, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bajnak and Adam Speaker. Thank you very much. If you want to check out those postcards or bypass postcards, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, and see those, well, most of them. Uh, one, I don't upload the new one immediately because I want to give some time for our uh, supporters to get their postcards first. And two, there's been a couple of challenges from rights holders that Redbubble should have stood up for, I but mean, didn't. Yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, yes, yes, they were definitely fair use. Yes, absolutely, 100% fair use. Ah. Anyway. You should go there. You should check it out. You can get you can get a, get my, get the art, like, put on all kinds of things. Yeah. And if you, if you see art there that you really want on something that you know Redbubble sells, just let me know. I'll turn it on. I mean, and we can bath towels. I think if bath you, towels are the answer. They're the wave of the future. Uh, bath towels. Ooh, 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 windbreakers. I don't know that Redbubble sells windbreakers, but I think they do sell sweatpants that we can get our images printed on the ooh, butts of. perfect. Oh, man. Which one could be, what's the most, what's the most upsetting one to put on the butt of a pair of pants? <laughs> Probably the one um, we're not allowed to sell anymore, frankly. Yes. <laughs> Yes, the Godzilla one was very upsetting. The only problem with putting the Godzilla one on the butt of the pants is that uh, that image particularly is centered. That's true. That's true. It would be right uh, down the crack. So the gun, 
Yeah, yeah. The Godzilla, the the part that got it pulled from the store. <laughs> it's right in the uh, yeah, yeah. Would be would be hidden in the butt crack, um, which I guess is the best place for it as well, far as yeah. But then, but like the it's holder. really actually ideal because if you're doing any sort of major athletic activity or something like that, occasionally you will <laughs> thrust or stretch, and in that very oh, yeah, brief yeah, yeah. moment, it everybody hears it's gonna be. <laughs> It'll win you a basketball game. That's all I'm saying. Play That's a pickup back- basketball game, you will shock. It's shock and awe is really what it is. Um, absolutely, one hundred. No one, no You're one, no right. one, no one sees the uh, the Godzilla image coming, including <laughs> absolutely, the, including our Patreons. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, but yes, Redbubble.com. Search for Last on Criterion if you want to. Buy any of the past postcards as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, as buttons, or like I said, if you uh, if you see another product on Redbubble, uh, they'll print anything on anything. <laughs> yeah, they've got, they've so, got the facilities to do it. Anyway, thank you so much to all of our supporters. You head to Redbubble.com and and buy things there if you like, or just directly support us at Patreon.com/slash/LostInCriterion. Very grateful for all those who do support us, but also just very grateful for you listeners. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Pat, this week we are starting a box set. When are we not starting a box set, Adam? I mean, fairly often, actually. We haven't had a box. I don't know. I when feel was like, our last I box feel like set? We get a lot of box sets. Oh, we have the. We actually haven't been that far away from the box set because uh, we had the Rossellini box set. Just uh, you know, the box set itself is spine number five hundred, but the films were four four ninety seven through four ninety nine. Right. Um. So it hasn't been that long since we had a box set. And then we had the Golden Age of Television right yeah. before that. And then yeah. uh, I feel like they've been hitting us with a lot of box I think, sets recently. I think before that Well there was um bef- the uh, what's her name? The the Immemora box oh, set about was a while one. back. So there was that. Who what um, was the other one? I, I think I was yeah. thinking of something else. I don't know. I don't know what one you're oh, thinking. I, I was of, but, uh, I was wrong. I, it's not a box set. It's just we split the the DVD in two because it had a like a, oh a yes, yes, yes. on it. That's what I'm getting mixed up. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> they have been giving us a lot of box sets, uh, and you know we've got we've got more box sets coming up. We've got box the, sets for days. In in eight weeks, we've got the second. Uh, Brackage box set, which coming everybody up. should be very um, bu- buckled up for. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I'm actually. That's. I'm not joking. I'm very excited for the second brackage bo- yeah. uh, uh, box set. I'm, I'm. Yeah, we're well. I think. I think from a Criterion standpoint, we're right on the cusp of Criterion really uh, upping how many, how many titles per month they were putting yeah. out. And I feel like maybe I I haven't looked particularly, uh, but maybe they started putting out some box sets, and that was that was the key that turned to make them start putting out four titles a month, no matter what. Right. See, I but I wonder about that pace. Is that pace sustainable? I mean, there's I an infinite not. number of movies, right? I mean, basically, right. But right. at the same time, I really wonder, in the grand scheme of things, how how long, especially in a world where people don't buy Blu-rays that much anymore, and you're mostly just feeding your own streaming service at this point. Um, I mean, like, Criterion people being the kinds of people who do buy, buy DVDs still and Blu-rays, so I understand that. I'm just saying that, like, 
this feels like a very precarious like maybe this this release schedule is a even now I don't know if they're still doing that but if it's more about a a fluke than it is a like a sustainable long-term thing um I don't know but also like at this point Criterion Channel is a really interesting beast because um they've got lots of things that aren't on the Criterion collection there but they are they are right. staying on theme in the sense that they are picking the sorts of movies that would appear in the Criterion collection which is producing yes. a really f- strange phenomenon because like you don't really need spine numbers or it's it's getting weird is what i'm saying the whole thing is getting a bit weird um and yes. i don't know what it means long term cuz like spine numbers it implies the libraries we've talked about the sort of like archive right right but like now yeah. it's streaming focused and it's like well but yeah there's it could be anything and it could only be on there for a month and i don't know no you make a fair point uh but in any case what i'm saying is i don't actually know how section, long they'll continue adding spine numbers to their collection is what i'm saying right 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 which might be might be sweet relief for us who are doing a project particularly going right. through spine right. numbers. May... But also gives us an existential crisis if Criterion is putting stuff out that isn't spine numbered. Well, it's uh, just not our our responsibility. It'll allow us to die, Adam. Right, like, right, we, right. We, we, And I'm grateful for we that. We will be given the sweet relief of release of death at some point in the future. Because yeah. I assume at this point um, this has made us undead, is what I'm saying. Possibly, we can never die possibly. so long as our job, our work is undone. Well, speaking of the sweet release of death, our uh, our box okay. set is yeah. is about very poor people. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's a terrible. Segue. No, that was I'm a, sorry for it. It was it was terrible and also accurate and a little upsetting. Yes, um, letters from Fontenas uh, is uh, a set of three films by Pedro Costa. Um, those films are Osos from 1997, Invada's Room from 2000, and Colossal Youth from 2006. Uh, Osos, we'll start with uh, talking about. So it's my understanding that his first film, which is in 1989, Osang, is more, more of a traditional film. Okay. And then he did this movie, Casa de Lava, um, which is literally translated House of Lava, but apparently the English release was called Down to Earth. Of course it was. Yeah. That's from 1995, and he made it on the Cape of, Cape Verde Islands in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is... I don't know Costa's background, really, other than from what I've read on Wikipedia. Right. Which uh, is... Only interesting in that it doesn't talk about his parents. Uh, so, so it does. There's a possibility that he does not come from a middle class background. Um, in that his his parents don't have their own Wikipedia pages. Right. Or, well, have you checked the span? Have you checked the Spanish and or Portuguese? Oh, Wikipedia? I haven't checked. That's the I question. haven't that's checked the, the Portuguese real, Wikipedia. The that is actually another one. Maybe I should click over. Because my takeaway so far is that this person, as far as the English, as far as the English internet is concerned, borderline doesn't exist. <laughs> right, like, right, the, right. Everything's right. just a stub yeah. everywhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, so okay. 
his his Portuguese Wikipedia page does not especially talk more about his background. He was in college for a history degree um, when he left to to become a filmmaker. Uh, but I don't know how much. I don't know what he was doing prior to his first feature then because he was 30 when he made well, his first feature. Well, he talks in his interview was... in English, which is conducted in English uh, about um, just having worked as a sort of just general film technician type person. Like it seems like ah, he just yes, worked as like, yes. you know, you know, assistant directors and that that sort of like secondary, you know, right. like sort doing, of back of the house doing whatever you yeah, had yeah. to do. And then, so, because yeah. like in his little inter in the interview, that it's only about thirty minutes, but he talks about the idea of like, well, how he was able to kind of get out of doing that and just working as essentially a technician. Um, mm. Something it seems like, according to what you know, he talked about is something he wanted to do very, very much. Right, right. He's he's interested in te technical aspects of these things, but also in in stripping down those technical right. aspects. We'll talk about as we move through. This uh, this box set particularly. Uh, so anyway, he made House of Lava um, in uh, nineteen uh, nineteen ninety four. So three years before Osos, um, and he was in Cape Verde. And according to and the only place I found this information was one of the Criterion essays, the only one available on the Criterion website. We, we weren't able to get a physical copy of this box set, unfortunately. The films are on Criterion Channel uh, with most of the bonus features, but not all of the bonus features, it turns out, um, including uh, two things that are not on the Criterion collection on the channel are two short films that are included on the DVD set as well, which, unfortunately, we won't be able to watch because they don't seem to be available elsewise that I can find. Um but in any case, one of the seven uh, essays that are in the 30-page booklet that accompanies Jeez, okay. this, this, uh, this Criterion release, only one of them was I able to find on the Criterion website, and, and, and which was surprising. Usually all the essays end right. up on the Criterion website. Um, but in that one, uh, it's the first time. There were some hints of this with some of the other bonus materials, but this is the first time uh, at least the information clicked with me in being able to read it, maybe. Uh, while he was in Cape Verde, when they finished up Lava House, um, a bunch of people, locals, who had helped out on the film, in the film, you know, crew or whatever, or just people he'd met, asked him to deliver right. things for Yeah, yeah, he talks about that in the For them. Yeah, he talks about playing, uh, playing mailman. Uh, in the interview um that interview by the way just a, a quick aside um while he doesn't do a lot of talking mm -hmm. the guy interviewing him in that is uh jean-pierre gorian who was the co-director of tababi right yeah i mean the, i picked uh, up on that i was more, like huh what yeah. this is odd <laughs> i was i yeah. i saw that and i was like Okay. This can't be yeah. what well, I what I actually assumed though was like, well, it can't be the same one. It's just gotta be like just another person with now, the same name. No, it was him. Uh the guy the guy who uh got Goddard to be Marxist for a little bit. Uh is the guy who does the interview there. Um anyway. Uh 
so he agreed to uh, deliver all of these things from Cape Verde residents to former Cape Verde residents who had relocated to Lisbon and primarily ended up in this neighborhood, Fontainehouse, uh, which was a pretty rundown slum of a place, at least at that time. I don't know if it's gotten better. Uh, there was response to the works of uh, Pedro Costa from Portuguese politicians, uh, basically uh, <laughs> very, very excitedly announcing that they were so grateful that Pedro Costa had brought the conditions oh, yes. I'm of sure this they Lisbon were neighborhood to their, to their, uh, they'd never known that such things were going on right in their right, backyard. Right, which he's before. kind of, to a certain extent, uh, like uh, in the in the interview, uh, like kind of, he comments sort right. of like he doesn't, he's not very, um, very aggressive in the interview, but he does sort of bring up the idea of like, uh, does sort of briefly mention the idea of like. Yeah, everybody, like, of course everybody knew this place was here. Right, it's been there right, forever. Right. Everybody knows exactly what it is. And, you know, these yeah. these shitty politicians, basically. Right. So in in being in this place, uh, he sort of decided he wanted to make movies about this place. In uh, even with Osus, and certainly more so moving forward, in almost a documentarian style also is is definitely well also is fascinating still right? narrative but not it's not also is fascinating because it's it's not a traditional film no. by any means well and it and it feels like a, it has the he talks about this and i agree it it, it you, if you did not know better you would assume that this is like um French New Wave style in the sense that, like, it's like, oh, yeah, these are all, like, people who, who lived here and, and all that sort of stuff that is not actually accurate to what happened. They're, they're like, the main characters are actors. Uh, yeah, but they are actors who lived there. I, well, I know, I know, but, like, they weren't but, they yes. weren't actors. They, they were made to live there, but, like, I, I, although I found the interview a little these confusing are, at times. He, I think, I think the way he talks about it is, is less clear and i don't know if because there there are times where he's not sure of the english word to use right so i don't know i don't know if he's it is my understanding and looking at their careers that the bulk of our principles at least uh the father clotilda tina um they are locals okay uh they are they are people who only who this was their first film and they only appeared in other costa films right yeah i mean well not not only in right. other costa it, well, films right well and and that maybe so but it gets a little confusing the way they they talk about he talks about it but either way it is still it is still technically a work of fiction but it it has that that right it has that vibe right. this in, a, is... in, in a way that a lot of those, as we got further on in sort of the new wave and stuff, was kind of lost to a certain extent, is this, like, making it feel like it's really the thing that it is, right? Whereas, right, right, like, right, right, as right. we, as the, as the, you know, we, we've gone through this quite a bit, whereas we sort of get further and further from that root source, things get less, 
more artistic, less authentic in the sense that they're not they're become less and less focused on showing life as it as it right. is and more focused on on sort of sort of avant garde aesthetics and things like that. Right, right. Next week we will we will see a little more about the reality. Next week's is still a fiction movie, but is even more documentarian in that uh Next week's movie is called In Vonda's Room. Vonda Durarte plays herself right. in that movie. She plays Clotilda in this movie. Uh, and it is, it is her having invited Pedro Costa to see her real life. Right. Um, in a more direct way. So, you know, these are, these are people living in the neighborhood who went on to have other acting experience, but this is their first. Yeah, film. man, there there's a uh, couple um there's a couple people who are are like there are people who are professional yeah, there's a actors. Few, uh, actors like actresses. people who had yeah. previous works and then continued on working after that. Uh specifically yeah. um the the woman who played Eduarda uh, Isabel Ruth and oh yeah she and then, and there's a few a other people career. who are like oh this is just this was just another acting job but but yes right. it, it's kind of a blend of the two people people who are not explicitly from the neighborhood within the realm of the movie right yes are also played by professionals um and with with maybe one exception that we can't really say the the prostitute that he ends up selling the baby right. to is a is a is a professional actress, actress. Yeah. um and i can't you know whether whether she's meant to be from the neighborhood or not well i that's I, it, I it gets a little i can't explicitly say yeah that but. gets a little confusing i would say i mean the movie is is fascinating in the sense that um closest brings up like the sort of idea of geography in the movie and this one is yeah. interesting in the sense that the is a movie with very definite geography but very unclear geography in the sense yes. that like you definitely know you're in a place that exists. Like you can feel how real the place is and you know that if you lived there it would make sense to you. But right. you as an audience member who doesn't live there, it makes no sense, which gives the movie a very interesting sort of feeling to it, right? Because you're 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 kind of going through the feeling of being an outsider in this place as an audience member like the movie's replicating that feeling of being sort of an outside observer, like actively through some of those choices, right? You feel less like a person who lives there and knows what's going on and more like a person who's watching a brief glimpse of a world that is sort of beyond your comprehension. Uh, the people themselves right. are not beyond your comprehension, but the world they live in is is not your world, right? It, 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 it keeps you somewhat alienated on purpose, which I think is really interesting it, 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 right it, you know yeah it, yeah and and as a because it's shot on location it is a byproduct of the tightness mm -hmm. of the spaces they're in yeah but there's also that feeling of intimacy in all well so that's in what could oh, in what could have been played in a voyeuristic way but still somehow doesn't feel yeah voyeuristic. no definitely not like like the shots that are from outside the window, just because there wasn't physically space for the right. camera to be in the window and get the well, shots that, they want to that's get. And the, that's the weird thing. I, 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 the fascinating thing, I think, is that, like, you're right. It's not voyeuristic, and, but it also, you don't feel like you're... There's that thing you can do when you're, like, really with really tight spaces in film where you can make it feel like you're part of the family. 
But yeah. like the movie replicates the idea of sort of how alienated all these people are from them from each other, in the sense that like you also feel like one of them that is the people that is there, but also just as equally alienated as they are from like you know they form connections, but the connections are very right upsetting and, and there's an intimacy in yes. those connections. But uh, and that's the the intimacy of being in such a. Uh, highly populated right. slum but like but, that, that, but they also end up putting up their they put up like really distinct personal boundaries on each other on themselves right. too to like right. because they're so tightly in there that like there's there's a lot of clear like i'm letting people in right now now i'm not letting people in anymore like you know people yeah. are a lot of people are asserting sort of like emotional boundaries a, a lot right um and we as the audience kind of we can feel that right like when when there we go long stretches of time where no one talks to each other right and it's not sometimes it, it has that sort of feeling of like the intimacy of people who know each other very well who don't feel a need to talk to each other and sometimes it feels like oh we're just not we're not talking to each other right now <laughs> like they we everybody here is in a room but is also defining themselves as being alone right now um it, it's a it creates a really fascinating effect that that I don't think could be generated without filming in that space. I I don't think you could ever really replicate that feeling, um, in like a studio or something like that. It'd be just basically impossible because I don't think the actors would necessarily resp- you know respond to that space the way that people do in the real space that they are in. Um, just sort of jammed everybody jammed in there together. I agree. Um, I don't know how surnames work. No, neither do I. In Portuguese culture, I, I, yes, yeah. There is there is an actress credited uh, named Zita Durete, um, who is in this, and is in in Vonda's room, mm-hmm. uh, but had a well established career prior to this, and is celebrated as one of Portugal's uh, greatest actresses, apparently. Um. And co-founded an experimental theater in 1985. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and Dorate is also Vanda's last name in in Vanda's room, the star, and and plays Clotilde here. Um, so I don't know if that's an older sister or uh, or some other relative, some way. I don't Doesn't, know. I I let's see. She was born in '44, so I guess it could be her mom. But I really have no idea, and there there doesn't seem to be any indication that I can find here about uh, yeah <laughs> about whether or not they're related. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. With a cursory it, look. it is um, in any case. I I would. I suspect they are. They have very. I'm looking at two pictures. The pictures of the two of them next to each other. There are a lot of facial similarities there. <laughs> right, like right, they right. look there. There's a reason why they look like they could be like related. Um, I don't know. I, I, I must admit that I found, and this is not the fault of the film. This is the fault of me being who I am. I found defining people's personal relationships in this movie difficult. Um, yes, I. I know that part to a certain extent that's on purpose and and that puts me in a position that I that I don't love which is like I'm already very very bad at that um be, as who I am 
And so when the movie sort of creates ambiguity around that, it gets me really like spinning out, like just sort of spinning my wheels. So I did spend a lot of the movie a little bit like struggling, just like, okay, like I don't know. I, I keep losing track of who these people are, how they know each other, like what what they are to each other, and of course that some of that's on purpose. But like, um, oh, you know what? I think that might be a. Uh, or is that like a first name, or is that like a? No, I think I think it might actually just a be a. Uh, no, it's a it's a it's an IMDb mistake. It's a different Zeta Durete. Oh, the Zeta okay. Durete, who's the famous Zeta Durete, uh, died of cancer at fifty five, which means she died in nineteen ninety nine. If the Wikipedia, I don't know actually because Wikipedia actually also lists her. I really have no idea at this point. I mean, and, uh, and that's so. that's what I mean. Like the 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 documentary or the uh, interview didn't really help. There's a lot of ambiguity about how, in the document, like the interview. Oh, it was about how professional or not professional each of these actors yeah. is. Um, it was early 2000, so I guess she could have finished filming in Vonda's room as her last film. In any case. Well, keep in mind, nineteen forty-four to two thousand is not particularly very old. That is a that is a yeah. that is dying quite young, and so um, that that could check out, right? Like that's the that's not like nobody in this movie was terribly like was not like nobody was elderly. So you know what I mean? Like it it makes it even more un, unclear, right? Um, when we kind of get into like you know we don't. It could be the same person. I bet it is the same person because that's yeah. A, you it know, does actually. You know, I, it, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, the movie. It, I. It is very. Um. It's a very interesting thing to watch. It reminds me of. I'm trying to think of like what it reminds me. It reminds me of other movies that I've seen that were probably, if I'm being honest, to a certain extent, cribbing this movie's style. Um, but I, I, I did enjoy how much it, uh, sort of just sort of lets us in on a, a window into what it feels like just people's lives, um, without, without like needing to fill it up too much with any sort of, there's a story, but it's not, you know, the story is, is very at a real life pace, uh, that I found, um, quite, um, quite enjoyable to watch, but. Um, I did also, it was also a bit of a struggle. I mean, it, like I, again, I, I had a hard time, um, keeping up despite the movie not being very fast paced. I had a hard time right. keeping track of what was going on, partially because it jumps a lot. Like there's a lot of, of cuts where like suddenly we're in a new place, new things are happening and they're not explained to us. I don't, this is not a negative criticism. It just meant that like I, as a viewer ended up playing sort of catch up a lot. Right. Which is right, was right, the goal? Right. That was the purpose. But I right. found that there, there are scenes where those sudden jumps lead to an ambiguities right. that uh, that cost is encouraging. Right. Right. You know, like uh, is the baby in the plastic bag that the father is carrying through that very long tracking shot on the street? I I argue no, because that baby probably wouldn't have survived it, but. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be in that plastic bag for a very long time. Yeah. So uh, I, I I agree like that. That's, but, you know, it really actually that was an interesting one because Costas brings that up. And I had I did not think about that. I thought of, 
That one's an interesting one because when that scene's taking place, I never thought about the idea of the baby being in the bag. And then right. we cut to a shot where the baby is with him somewhere, and it's like, then I mentally went back and sort of internally was like, wait, did he was he carrying the baby? Yeah. And it, given given the pace of the story, that is the implication of that is when he takes the baby. Right. But this is also and there's a no story. other possibility of when he could have taken the baby. Right. Within what we've seen. But this is but also a movie happening where that we don't see. We don't have a firm grasp on t- on time scale, and yeah. so we and I and and that's on purpose. Again, the, the ambiguity is part of the the deal, and I I sort of eventually just had to embrace the idea that like oh I have no conception of how much time is passing between uh, individual scenes in this movie. Just because they happen back to back to each other has, doesn't mean that they have any real like time relate like a real meaningful time relationship with each other. The story is linear in the sense that each thing that happens is presumably happens after the thing prior to it and before the thing right, after right, it. Right. But we have no concept of how far the jumps are between those things. Um, like him carrying the, the plastic bag, we as audience members, because we're used to a certain kind of storytelling, assume that A and B are, are relatively closely linked. So like the, the bag being carried and him being with the kid in the next scene would have to be like directly connected, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the truth. Right. Right. Um, there is one of the bonus features talks to the cinematographer and the cinematographer describes the scene as the scene where he's carrying the baby in the bag. Yeah. But the cinematographer uh, is the but, cinematographer, right? Like in the right, sense that right, like, yeah, right. he shot a, he, he shot specific things, but like the, whether or not, regardless, there was no baby in that bag. Right, like, right, 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 right. Because I'm fairly certain that nobody like put any babies in danger to make this movie. Uh, uh, you know, and keeping a baby in a pl- black plastic bag is 100% putting a baby super duper in danger. Do you think the baby was a non-actor? Or a, no, I think or the baby professional. was professional. Probably like a, a local baby food uh, star or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done a lot of commercials prior, at least some stage work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Repping for some yeah. sort of auto dealership or something. Right, right, definitely. Just sit on some tires, put a piece of cabbage <laughs> right, right. on your head. Uh, he's great. Smoking cigars between takes. Um, <laughs> so just the, the who framed Roger Rabbit baby, 100% yeah, yeah. all the way. Baby Herman, all the way. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of visually this film. Uh, and this is... This is partially Costa, and it is, I think, partially the cinematographer um, doing doing very good things with with not necessarily limited resources, but purposefully limiting their resources as yeah, they move forward. Yeah, Costa talks about the idea of like letting go of like a lot of the sort of technical yeah. requirements of cinema that like right he didn't and, have to let go of. He just didn't want to use them. Yeah. Yeah, that's where where it gets interesting as we move forward, especially because with with Vonda's room and moving forward, Costa pivots to like pure digital and skeleton crew and maybe just him sometimes. Right. Uh, Whereas here we're still they showed up to shoot this with like everything. Right. You know, full production. And. Some of the problems were material. The trucks could not get to 
where they would need to be in order to unload the equipment. Right. Uh, physical constraints. And some of them were more economically material. Uh, uh, they decided not to be jerks to the people who actually right. lived here. Right. And neighbors who complained that they had to get up at four in the morning in order to go to work. Uh, and the lights were keeping them up at night. So they turned off the lights. Right. Uh, there's also some implication that there was... Um, and we talked about this sort of thing with Gamora. Uh, this is not a movie about drug dealers, uh, but there's some implication from some of the things that the uh, cinematographer and Costa himself say in that interview uh, that suggests there is a criminal element that is allowing them to film. Well, and there was so a- long as they don't shoot certain things right. or shoot on certain days. Or in certain right. areas. Costa gets into that. I mean, I didn't watch the cinematographer one, but Costa gets into the idea that, like, yeah, there's a certain amount of allow, and then there's also a certain amount of like, hey, we're all we're all friends here. Like, you're you're gonna like, yeah, yeah, make sure that we're you know, it doesn't it doesn't and, have that weird bit. Of, it doesn't feel at least Costa's description of it doesn't sound. It doesn't have that implication of like you know, right. like oh, I'm making a I'm there's, making a movie about the mob, and they're like not gonna right, like, you right, know, right, 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 has right, more right. of a hey, like fairly like well, we you know we could you just not shoot this stuff, please? And then right, Gamora is more overtly right. about that. And the way the way Costa talks about it, it's it it remains a possibility that is maybe just people in the community asking him not to do this thing, right. The way that the cinematographer talks about it, I get I got a little more of a key like, uh, like the cinematographer believes that they would have been killed if they did certain things <laughs> in certain ways, uh, so they just didn't do them that way. Um, and I don't know how much of that is a classism on the cinematographer's part. Right. See, that's that's where uh, I get a bit a bit worried about it because yeah, even Costa seems to have a pretty good amount of respect for the people that he was filming and like and working with here. Yeah. But right. even he gets a little bit like some of his descriptions are like, are you just falling into some stereotypes here right now? Like right, when he's talking right, right, like right. did you actually see those things or did you just assume these things were happening because of the stereotypes associated with the place you were working? Like right. you you never can a hundred percent tell, right? Particularly when Custa talks about their sources of income. Right. Yes. Yeah. It gets As a little no classist, a little. No one ever works at the job they claim they're working at. And and ultimately, they all just sit around and, and hang out. Right. All and day. there's a kind of an like, implication well, that, yeah, like there's nobody here doing like legitimate work of any sort or something like that. And and maybe there's no one there doing legitimate work, but there's still a source of income in that they continue to exist. Right. So, but also, like, uh, I, I don't believe that for a second in the sense that like right you know we you know like world the world has become what it is and we you and i live in it and like the real we it's become more and more apparent as i've gotten older that like a and b can definitely be true both at the same time right you can definitely be working a construction job that does not pay you enough money that you're also got some other thing that you do that maybe isn't 100 percent legal but like that's not your fault that they decided to make everything that you could do as a supplementary income illegal. Yeah, like and the the construction the construction jobs paying paying you cash one day. Right, anyway. right, exactly. That's so what I'm saying. Like, is it's like, like and and the funny thing, the funny thing, and not to get too much about what the world is now compared to even then, is that like 
that's become even more codified into like the standard operating procedure of of, of capitalism now in the sense that like oh yeah. we're all just expected to do that now that's like right. it's every, all been kicked into everybody's high everybody's an independent contractor now so you don't yeah everybody's right. an independent contractor you know, and you better have five side hustles or otherwise you're just not you're not going to make it like it's right. just not going to happen right 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 and you know even our main characters we see them working at cafe we yeah. see them frequently cleaning cleaning houses you know Clotilda does both right and and between we we get her cleaning house then we get her working the cafe then we yeah. get her i mean again this this society so, is is going to is working her to the bone for right. for the money necessary to live in a place that is borders on unlivable right like i mean she's right right and and that's you know she is they, and, she is in this entire neighborhood are the are the are one hundred percent necessary to make capitalism work in any capacity, right? Right. And that's right. Gross. Right. And that's ultimately the thing, right? Is these people aren't aren't working illegitimate jobs. They are the people who do the baseline legitimate jobs that makes right. Make and and, and literally, function, you cannot right? you cannot like that's it requires exploitation of a, of this sort as, to make this all work. And it's you know we're supposed to it's as gross. far as I'm concerned. In my interpretation of this movie, having watched it only the once, that's what the title is. Yes, the yes, bones, absolutely, yeah. Right? This isn't the flesh that we see. This is, this is the 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 structure, uh, and well, um, and, that, and society can't exist without these people, even as we pretend it doesn't exist. Because when we see them, that's a problem. Right, and right? I and as I would also say concerned. that. Um, that I think it's going for like a sort of double meaning on that because it also has this sort of implication of, of death and the idea that like these are the things that are buried on purpose and this is where they're yes. buried. And the, he, and cause it's sort of like it gets into the idea of like, well, you know, showing things that are, that are purposely buried and like digging things up. Right. Right. And like for certain, right? Like all those politicians who came out to talk about thing, these issues right after the, you know, after the movie, are all responding to the fact that you have unburied the things that are buried on purpose. Right. And like brought them right. to the light and and that's a problem for us. Yes. 100%. Um did you notice that this is a Christmas movie? I I were there dates in this movie? There were no dates in this movie, but uh during the sequence where the baby is in the hospital. Okay. There is a day where the father comes and is spying through a window uh-huh. at the baby in the hospital yes. as one of the nurses is showing off the baby around a ward of older people lying in bed. Right. I saw that. I don't know. There is a Christmas tree in is that Is there? Room. I didn't even notice it. I didn't. There is. I mean, uh, now, that is the... I, now I will say this. It is a hospital. Which are That's notorious for not putting the decorations array forever. into like right. fucking all right. March. All right, all right, allow allowing for that. <laughs> so it's it is it is Christmas adjacent uh, for sure. I I don't necessarily want to go too far down this road, except to maybe plant some seeds that we'll look at for other films. Uh this is a movie about the birth of a baby. Okay. <laughs> that takes place at Christmas. Okay. Yeah, so. I mean maybe. I mean, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible and true. I mean, it's definitely like um I'm not saying these are meant to be Mary and Joseph stand-ins. I'm saying that they are meant to be shown in contrast to. Right. Um because Mary and Joseph uh 
within the narrative of Christianity are not well-off people. Right. Right. And are not, um, and are not well, generally... <laughs> depending on... I actually have to, have to clarify that. There are branches of Christianity that believe that, uh, or have justified that Joseph as a carpenter was a, a, a well-earning, uh, that, that, that what gets translated as carpenter actually means of a position more like a contractor. Um, so there are, there are, there are arguments within Christianity that Joseph was actually well off. Uh, I'm glad to see I that people them. are using that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Why, why, why do we do that? But anyway, um, traditional understanding of, uh, Mary and Joseph as people who, uh, you know, they fled to Egypt because of, uh, because of state violence. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there, there are, there's this picture I love that goes around every Christmas has for the last few years. I don't know the artist who originated it. Um, but it is a, a modernized Mary and Joseph uh, that are a uh, a uh, Latin American looking couple outside of a convenience store, flipping through the phone book, looking for a place to stay. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't know. I, that's a a view I I think of. I think of views like that when I think of this as as a movie taking place at Christmas that we are, right. we are drawing parallels to a, uh, a, a couple who was downtrodden. Well, and so, but least. to flip the, to flip that and the way that I sort of take yeah. that sort of stuff is that, is that one needs to instead reexamine the Christian narrative and understand that it, that, that barring the exception that it's theoretically the son of God, what happens yeah. to them is is hyper not out of the ordinary for people, and that part of what you're supposed to take away from it is, hey, right, 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 right. Maybe right. we should yes. treat people I'm around not, us better. I'm not trying but, to argue that this is a nativity right. movie, right? And this I is, know you're not, but yeah. I, I mean, my, <laughs> right. my point being that, like, by by nature of seeing it that way, one comes, one can come to the idea that, like, any movie that features people. In, who are struggling, who have children, will by their na- by its nature end up feeling somewhat, oh yeah, yeah, Christianity adjacent, right? At least, at least in right. that in that sort of root nature. Now, bear in mind, we'll bear nothing in common with modern Christianity as it is as it is as it is practiced by a huge portion of of the earth, but uh, nonetheless, yes, I I want to believe. Uh, and I, I think I said something similar within the last few weeks, um, that our director is competent. I, uh, I, agree. Such, I, 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 <laughs> I agree. I do believe you're right. As such, I'm, I don't, I, am yeah, more I just, don't think that Christmas tree in the background is accidental. No, uh, I, I, so. although bear in mind, I, it probably isn't what I would call accidental, but if, if, if we're not, if we're not doing a terrible amount to modify the places and times that they, you know. Right. It's right, also right. It, it may not be accidental in the sense of like, well, I'm going to show this because it's here and I'm making a choice as a director to show this and help the audience draw extra parallels that maybe will help drive the audience to make the right conclusions about the movie because I you know, you're not making a movie about this place because you want the people to watch it and then sort of immediately forget about this place existing, right? You're bringing it you're digging up these bones and bringing them out to the light because you want people to look at them and think about them, right? Right. And right. so as a competent director, 
you know, you you're shooting in the in and around the hospital and you see a Christmas tree is still standing up in the corner, you maybe make a choice to like you definitely make a choice to like show that. Right. But like also maybe you're not fucking with those sets very much because they're not sets, they're places that people right, right, So you're right. just like, Well, hell, this is here, we're gonna use it. Kinda it's hard there to say, is, right? There are there are opportunities in the rest of this film, I think, that maybe are taken subtly. Um that could hammer what I feel are are some of the major themes of the movie a little more if it were more overtly at Christmas. Um, for instance, when when the father has the baby outside and is begging, that's a crowded a crowded uh, commercial zone. So it could be that it is Christmas shopping, yeah. and it could just be that it is people shopping. Uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely and, some and, sort of like it looks like some sort of train whether, or subway entrance, right? It's it's very right. Whether or not it is the juxtaposition of consumerism and Christmas that we get in something like Brazil, uh, it is still a juxtaposition of consumerism and poverty. For well, for sure, uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, that we're definitely. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean that is that is a theme. Yes, seeing, I mean, right? and and you know, Christmas can help. But my guess is that it, I don't know how long the filming of this took, but I my guess is that like, you know, maybe it was Christmas at one point during filming, and then not you know right, for right, the whole right, time, right, right. right? And so, also possible. Um, and you know, you take your, uh, you take what you can get, right? Like, it, and if you're competent, you know, again, he is competent. He do, does a very good job here. Like, right. you're going to use the things that like help drive your message home if they're just right. You know, they're there. Yeah, and there's obviously no no further indication of anyone celebrating Christmas. Right, but also we are talking about a place where that is that is put in such a position as to make overt celebrations of Christmas difficult at best, right? Like we do right. see a party. I know it doesn't seem like a Christmas party per se, yeah. but like I mean th- this movie is about people who are are struggling in a way that that like it it would be hard to make Christmas much more than a saying Merry Christmas to each other, like right. passing kind of almost to a certain extent, right? It, 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 we have very rarely dealt with movies that deal with people in places that are this in, intensely representative of, of impoverishment, right? Like, and, um, right. And, you know, the sort of, the, the sort of immiseration of, of that society induces upon certain members, right? Like, it, it is, like, this is a very intense example. And I think, because um, I don't, yeah, I, I can't think of another film that, that is this strongly, that we've watched, I, I wouldn't say this strongly about this, because we've watched plenty of movies that are about, uh, society's willingness to to immiserate certain people in order to to continue keeping the wheels turning but like this one is so visceral about it in a way that i don't i can't think of very many movies that have done this for us uh that we've watched and part of it has to do with using real places and 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 people put it feels very very real in a way that a lot of the movies we've watched haven't so yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right there um, it's just, and it's, it's partially his, his documentarian eye as we come to here, which again was sort of thrust upon them. Well, he thrust upon himself 
as as a means of uh, being less intrusive to the right. People. Well, and, and being, means being less intrusive, and also like I mean, choices were made, and they were good choices. I'm not arguing with the choice, but like you could make you could make this movie and choose to do things like, well, I'm not going to use the real place. I'm going to have a set built or something right. like that. Right. People have, and 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 there are choices. There was a choice, a very documentary s sort of choice to say like, no, I'm going to use the environment at hand. Yeah, uh, and and the people at hand, and and so those that was a choice. It was a good choice. I mean, it produces a very specific result, which no doubt is part of why this movie had such a profound effect on people watching it, and still obviously does for us as well. But like, there's a reason why this kind of movie suddenly gins up all the politicians to to right. Like you, the choices made were very very visceral. Um, yeah, yeah. The cinematographer uh, Emmanuel Michel is his name, by the way. Um, does talk a little bit about uh, how, in his opinion, at least, the reason they filmed on location was that if they had done a set, you know, they're in these six by six rooms, this thirty-six square feet, and if they had built a set where it was one hundred and fifty square feet, the Actors would play it differently. No, I agree completely. In having that room to breathe, yeah, yeah, it would have, and that's why I was kind of talking about at the beginning that kind of idea that like there's no set on Earth you could build unless you just built another six by six box that the uh, the actors wouldn't feel a need to sort of fill up the room, right? And even if you built a six by six box, it's still a box they know they could walk out of and end up in a giant room, right? Like there's that sort of sense of like, oh. Your your actor will always know that he's on a set, right? The, and it will always sort of play into what happens, right? Um, and so I, I agree with that uh, completely. And, and I think it does show in the way that the acting is done. And, of course, like we talked about this with uh, Hunger not that long ago, which did do that, right? Couldn't get the real place and then built recreations of it in, in, a, in, a, right. in a fairly valiant effort to make the place feel like the place, right? To To be like, no, you're in this tiny room. You need to be in this tiny room, and 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 acknowledge with your acting that this that this is a kind of place that the people are, and choices have to be made, and like cameras have to be in certain locations for that, and, and it has a pro- profound effect on like what the movie ends up feeling right, feeling like. And I really, I did, it did call to mind hunger a lot actually. Uh, very, very yeah. sort of different topics, sort of uh, in a broader sense, not different topics, but like in, in a very, in the very specific sense, they are different. But they both kind of managed to convey that intimacy of this sort of, you know, that that's a literal prison, but this is a, in many ways, a metaphorical prison that no one here can get out of in any really mean. Like society has locked people in this place right um and yeah it's it's uh both of them made the sort of same kind of decision there and you could definitely probably draw parallels in terms of like the sort of cinematography that results right uh it is perhaps unsurprising that emmanuel machuel the cinematographer also worked with bresson yeah i saw that yeah large uh you know um 
there is, yeah, there's something about about what Costa is doing here that is Bresson-esque, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think some of the Bresson sort of um, sensibilities of... Influence of, through him, yeah. Shows up that way. I would say that, like, I mean, and this is just my, like, I've, you know, as with any of the people we've seen a decent amount of that we've seen over time, I sort of end up boiling down their style in my head to, like, specific scenes and specific sort of conceptions of them because it's yeah. it's too much to just sort of keep it all in your head at the same time, right? But, I, you know, the way I think of um, Bresson now, I mean, basically... Alhazar Balthazar has become my like mental picture of Bresson. Right, 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 right. And the stiltedness of Bresson doesn't feel like the stiltedness of this when the people are like the people in this room in this movie can be a little a feeling feel a little a emotional, but it feels more like a this feels like the sort of a emotional that a person might be when they're struggling a lot and are having a really hard time or they just want to be left alone for a little bit. Whereas that's right, not what right, Bresson's right. feels feel like feels like, right? Bresson's stuff always feels like right. a man purposely like made people told people not to yes, react. Made people right. not react on purpose and was like, Hey, you're reacting too much. Stop it. Yes. Here people are reacting, but also they're depressed or strung out or half dead from being carbon monoxide right, poisoning over work a or, million different things make yeah. people not want to engage emotionally with each other right and like that's a right this feels more real like yes yes yeah. this is right bresson bresson stuff doesn't bresson Bre- stuff is interesting and aesthetically interesting and and everything like that it doesn't feel what i would call quote unquote real right It'll be interesting moving forward because Bresson obviously reaches that style out of a, a rejection of artifice right. of, yes. of film. And like many people who reject the artifice of film that we've talked about in the past, and Bresson chief among them, I think, uh, ends up embracing a different set of artifices. Right. Yes, right? yeah. Osos is the movie that basically makes Pedro Costa give up a lot of that artifice. Right. From what I've read about it, we've not watched his two previous films, so I can't say. I mean, he does talk about that himself, but, though, as well. But he talks about that himself. So it'd be interesting looking at In Varda's Room and Colossal Youth to see as he gives up that part of the artifice, what pops up. In right. Well, because I mean, you and I, much much like um, discussions of bias or or anything like that, like it's impossible you. There, or or po- or politics in film or something like that. It's you can't. You will have to replace it with something. Like you can't. You can't make. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, you can't make what I would call truly like. You can't make non-artifist art, right? <laughs> like that's that's right. You, there's no such thing as uh, as true like pure authenticity in art, right? Because you you are a person with a vision who wants to account wants to convey something, right? Uh, even even if you decide that like a camera left on like the side of the road that like just films people walking by is art, and then you want to public like, okay, well, did you edit it in any capacity? Did you, you know what I mean? Like, there's always something, right? And yeah, it sounds like to me that he embraces, and we're gonna find out 
this sort of like lone lone cameraman with the digital camera sort of like a, a sort of like less aggressive but still almost sort of gonzo type thing i don't gonzo in my head like has to share two m- multiple meanings at the same time where it's like well it it's just like a dude with a camera just shooting without like worrying too much but also it can be gonzo can also in my head also be that like wild and crazy like you know so i i don't know another a better word for it but what i mean is like it seems like maybe where we're headed is him embracing a, a kind of artifice which is like I'm do my artifice is this sort of singular person just getting whatever the camera will give me kind of thing, right? Uh, we'll see. Right. We're gonna watch the other movies, and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes, um, because th- this is a really interesting start, right? This is something I didn't expect to see. Um, we haven't gotten anything like this before, really. I don't think, and um. It was it was kind of a breath of fresh, a breath of fresh air in a, a certain extent. It was a weird way to describe a movie that is incredibly oppressive, <laughs> like as a movie. But it was it was kind of like oh this is like something new that I've never that we've not really seen before. No, I agree. I'm I'm fascinated now. I'm starting to think of I'm trying to put this mentally in the context of Grey Gardens, <laughs> which is I, I don't know where it's going, but my head is starting to do I'm starting to do this thing where I'm like okay like. This feels like less artifice than a movie that is nominally a documentary. Right. But, you know, yeah. We've, we've talked long about the artifice. Of, <laughs> well, yeah, Grey Gardens. Grey Gardens. The berries the, and the, maze, the mazes and all that. It's, there's a lot there, but yeah. Right. right. Well, it's just fascinating that yeah, you could hire in- actors and get something that feels more real than a thing that is just videos of of people who are real people, but have have a lot of artifice right. built up around them, right? Yeah. To that to that point, it's interesting that that Pedro Costa uh, seems to claim that if they weren't involved with this movie, they'd just be sitting around doing drugs or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean that, and that's like again. like his. His his artifice into their lives is insisting that they seem to have jobs, <laughs> right? But then but, again, where we get that's I find that I find that whole entire line of reasoning very suspect, right? And I think you do too, right? right? I oh, I yeah. think that Pedro, I think that Costa's probably to a certain extent can't help escape everything he's ever been told about this place and the people who live here. Yeah. Um, the idea, the I like. I am fascinated by the idea that that of believing that like there's just an entire town basically of people who air quotes don't do anything. Yeah. And like uh, what do you what that's a that is a functionally batshit nuts thing to think. Like about a group right. of people. Right. And like and if you think about it with any sort of analytical reasoning for even a second, you you come to the result that like, well, that just can't possibly be the truth of the matter. Right. But like it is what people are taught about, you know the areas of, of the world that they are supposed to look down upon, right? And they're not supposed to go. Right. And it's and it's fascinating that Costas can both apparently have so much like seeming Empathy. like both having a lot of like 
love for the people there and interest in talking about their lives and also seem to also simultaneously carry around a belief of that is that is a, that is functionally anti those people right like that is a that is a right, that is a right. thing to believe about this group of people that is that is functionally against them that that, that, that is that is a is making sure that they stay in the stay in their place yeah i don't i don't know that's that's where i get complicated with that interview is that i don't get that feeling from him except in those words right so but he does say them a couple times it, it comes up multiple yeah. times in the interview this idea that like that there are like there's this sort of lingering idea that comes up multiple times that like this is a bad place and therefore the people here are bad but right. then the movie doesn't convey that and what i'm fascinated about is like well how far along from the interview is the move? How long from the movie is the interview? And then, like, did like closest to a certain extent, like, lose touch with the things that made him make the movie the way he made it? You know what I mean? Like, did he lose sight of like the reasons why he cared about making this movie as intimate as he did? Um, I I don't know. It, it's 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 fascinating. I. I, I heard it multiple times in the interview, and it kind of like legitimately kind of threw me every time. Um, and every time I was like, I'm hoping that this is just like him, like kind of like not knowing what to say and just going back to old tropes for yeah. lack of a better idea of what to say about the place. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that interview was filmed in August of 2009, by the way. And this movie came um, out. I didn't actually check when this movie came out. I have no idea. Oh, this movie is from uh, 1997. Okay, so, I mean, it's a full decade later, more than a decade later, right? So what I mean is, is, like, a decade's a long time. It's quite possible that, like, the man who made this movie and the man they interviewed are not the same person anymore. And that yeah. he has lost touch with the ideas that, like, and has somewhat sort of calcified and become less open to the idea of viewing these people in a way that is beyond stereotypes. Um, I I don't know. I I I just I found the interview. There was more than one occasion where the interview. I I thought to myself, Wait, what? Like, do you? This doesn't feel like the same person who would have made this movie. So I don't know. Yeah. And I kind of wonder too because it's being interviewed by a he's being interviewed by a person and I that like presumably maybe is he kind of tries to kind of feed Costa's words sometimes that are like and sometimes Costa actively rejects like nope, that's not what I'm going for. That's not uh Right. That's not the idea I'm trying to convey. And it sort of has this feeling of like, well, maybe to a certain extent, uh, Goran is looking for a person who is looking for the person who made this movie as well. Yeah. And does not necessarily feel like he's always getting the person who made this movie. Right. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much I trust Goran. Right. right. Well, uh, yeah. Because we have very limited experience right. with Goran. And in fact, when we see. When we see Gorin as Gorin most clearly would be uh, 
a very unflattering portrait of him right. uh in the uh the uh what Jane said or whatever the right. the right. the documentary post uh to Vabien. Right. um yeah uh and that was yeah that's yeah not great yeah no totally uh, <laughs> well it's just it pretty, right. there's a lot of really like there's a lot of sort of I think what we're going to get to in the end is that we have run into a problem that we've that we do run into with other directors. This one's just a very sort of unique um sort of expression of it is that we have this movie that is that is very heartfelt and very very much in line with the way you and I the way that you and I view the world and things like that. And then there is this interview that feels anomalous to a certain extent sort of that we also watch that kind of messes with our perception of the film and like this happened before but i think part of what is causing so much sort of dissonance for us is the fact that the movie is so so cares so much about the people that it's talking about and then like that that it the the disjunction is feels even more sort of heightened. The, like even like little words that feel out of place in the interview stand out more because the movie it doesn't it, it, it stands in such stark contrast to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's interesting then that I don't know. One, I think one problem we have is that outside of this Criterion release, even, and this is this is really wholly unique, that we have a lot of information in the bonus materials for this particular film, even, right, about this movie. But outside of it, yeah. there's just so yeah, little. there's nothing like this. Th- this this is a a wasteland. There's no. There's like yeah. bordering on, well, it just goes to show you, right? Like, movies can be both important and also leave no sort of lasting, um, yeah, sort of, uh, like even in Portuguese, this movie has borderline nothing. The Portuguese yeah. pays for this movie um, is still barely above a stub. For for this DVD release, I ran across Jonathan Rosenbaum talking about. Uh, the importance of of this movie as filling filling a hole in that there was barely any English language stuff about Costa at all right. prior. Um, and uh, I I skimmed the AV Club review of this when it originally came out, and it's of of the trilogy. Its whole of the trilogy not of any individual film within the trilogy obviously when they're reviewing the whole trilogy on the av club they uh they're reviewing the dvd release right right? not necessarily the films particularly and and to be perfectly honest i read it after i watched the movie and it seems like scott tobias hadn't watched the movie uh at least recently uh okay (laughs) i don't know he just some of the things he says about it don't really feel. Well, now I'm curious. Now I don't have time to read the movie. Okay, but let, well, I'll read the review. Here, but like now I'm. Curious. I've got it. I've got it in front of me. 
Osis opens with a suicidal teenager, Maria Lipkins, giving birth and shortly thereafter trying to gas herself and the baby. And that's not directly how it opens. It's right. in the first act, certainly, but it's not how it opens. Um, care for the child is given over to the troubled father, Nuno Vaz, who in turn relies on a nurse to intervene after his negligence lands, <laughs> lands the baby in the hospital, which, accurate. Um <laughs> But Costa's distaste for even the thinnest of narratives is already clear in Osis, which uses the story as a way uh, through its tour of the neighborhood and the striking faces of its inhabitants. Its signature sequence, a long tracking shot down the street as the father nestles his newborn in a black plastic bag, is both the most powerful one in the trilogy and precisely the sort of cinematic flourish that Costa was eager, eager to shed later on. Um, a little later... He describes the uh, he describes Varda, the actress who plays Castilda here or Coltilda here, as a supporting role in Osos, and that I see the face you're making. Well, I mean, um, <laughs> that's a, that's I'm making the face primarily because like I can see how one would get that res- that that thing because like I guess in this in, in this movie you would call if you had to choose you would call Tina the the main character. But right. this is a movie that sort of eschews some of that sort of representation. Like, like these, there's not part of sort of de- deconstructing narrative means that you're not quite necessarily concerned with the idea of like who is or is not the most important person in the movie. Um, I would not necessarily call her a, and yeah, I don't know. It that's it's a choice I mean, maybe on a strict that. definition she if she were nominated for an oscar for this she would be nominated for a supporting role in it but i don't know in my view of the film uh she is a main character yeah. maybe not the main character um we don't open with her we open with her her friend maybe sister uh staring at the camera um, and this is the actress who looks way too much like her, and I assume is uh, the other Durante that we've <laughs> right. questioned her relationship with, um, who seems pretty young to be the person who has been in movies since the early 80s, whose IMDb and Wikipedia page lists, lists yeah. her as. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, who anyway. knows at this point? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, some people just don't age. Uh, you know, and she's... There's one of the bonus features talks about her as the observer, as if she's credited as the observer or something to that extent. There's no one. <clears throat> I didn't watch the credits, but there doesn't seem to be anyone credited like that. Um, no, but she's also, uh, you know, we get a shot of her looking out of the kitchen in the cafe. She's the one who, when Clotilda comes back and is, is, is waiting for Tina on the street, and she's the girl who walks up and offers her that sweet cake and then stands there and says, oh, you're waiting for Tina. Well, that's not Tina. And that's not Tina either. And that's not Tina either. Um, which was uh, a nice little fun scene. Right. I thought it was funny. Um, so we don't we don't open with Cotilla, but we do finish with Cotilla. And well, we sort of Cotilla's, do, right? Because like our, our yeah. absolute last again. shot is still Tina. But like again, right, like right, I feel right, like right. in the end, you're sort of it's just, sort of like it's sort of like in as much as things happen, threads, yes. Right. And as much as things happen, Clotilda is so important to the things that happened, and we're with her so much more than anything. 
uh, that I don't know. It just felt weird describing her as as the supporting role in this. Right. I I totally get, I get it. I agree because if she's if she's the supporting role, who's the main role? Right. I guess the father. I, I was leaning towards Tina. Yeah. Um, only because Tina? I mean, only because the baby itself. Say that again. Uh, the baby itself. Baby. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I I lean towards Tina just because in my mind. All the dad's actions are in, in some capacity a reaction to a thing that uh, something about Tina. Like yeah. Tina, despite not necessarily being the person with the most screen time, Tina is the driving force behind the things that happen in the movie, basically. Right. As much as things happen in the movie, which again, I, I also disagree with the, the sort of um the assertion, the sort of a sort of a built in assertion that this is like lacking narrative. Like it yeah, I mean it. It definitely has one. Uh, it's just not the there is the sort that people like necessarily go looking for when they say like ah the story of the movie. There is there is a story here that is uh, Tina has a baby and hates her life and can't raise the baby. Uh, the father. Uh, doesn't want the baby to die, but also can't raise the baby. Uh, and at times is more tempted than at others to give up the baby mm. as a means of making money and eventually does so. Uh, Although it's very unclear. It, I don't think he actually makes any money off the baby in the end. That's, that's awesome. I think in the point. end he yeah. just sort of takes the, the like, cause that we don't, it's not clarified, but it's very much like, she right, he keeps right. saying like will you pay me like how much will you give me for it or whatever and there's this sort of implication that like no money changed hands for this it was like you either leave the yeah. baby in a, in the hands of somebody who might take care of the baby or you don't right um and then Clotilda as a friend of Tina who who knows the situation and is not a fan of the father uh but also seemingly Ultimately, and I don't know that we really get this until she says that her her child should be mine. Um, just sort of asserts it on the street at one point after murdering the father, or at least leaving the father for dead. Mm. Uh, you know, because she turns on the gas before she leaves the apartment he's asleep in. Right. Right. And locks the door. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she, she commits that action. She declares... The baby should be hers, and then we get the scene of her leaving, right, uh, with the suitcase. Uh, yeah, I mean so, that, that, and that's, I mean that that action that seems to me more to read as like she wants a baby. It doesn't necessarily mean that, like, yeah, right, 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 right. I mean, she's not, she's not trying to steal, that right? Baby exactly. At all, it's ever. it's it's a very right. metaphorical yeah. that baby should be mine. Right, right, right. As I'm, I am a person who has more control of her life and could handle having a baby. That baby should be mine. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's the plot, right? Right. Um, and and there's some, some things that affect the plot that I didn't bring up in describing in that plot synopsis. And then there are just, there are a lot of things here that happen that have no direct bearing on the plot. The party scene. The the neighbors. Well, yes and no. To. I mean, they do they do actually but, serve as characterization. And some, I mean, like right. they set like the party scene very clearly sets up the relationship between um uh, what I can't say her name 
um, Catilda, I guess, yeah. and her, I guess, boyfriend. Yes, and and there and how sort of fraught their relationship is, and how right. it's very clearly right. not going particularly well. Um, he's yes. very, very disrespectful, uh, multiple right. times. Uh, treats her pretty badly, uh, yeah. and and we and we see where that goes, right? Like we see that escalate throughout the movie until she does end up like leaving, right? Like she's kicked out, right. and then she ends up leaving, right? Yeah, and there's also. In everything that happens, there is characterization of the neighborhood. Right. Well, it's that classic sort of, the neighborhood is a character in the movie, right? Like that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, there are other people we interact with and and we see and we talk to who are aspects of the neighborhood who maybe have no direct bearing on the plot, but flesh out the world, right? Um, And that's not bad, right? No, (laughs) no, no, of course not. that's quite good. Well, uh, and it, and it, and it's part of what makes this place be, feel so. Like we kind of get this idea. I, I I'm still struggling to sort of convey it, but we get this idea that this is a very like, this place is very alive, despite how f- feeling close to death everybody is inside of it. Right. 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 Um. And that that is a um. He does a very good. Uh, Costa does do a very good job of conveying that, right? The the there's just constantly people on the move and and doing things in and around the actions of the movie. Yeah. Um. How much do you think? I'll be interested. This is maybe another thing to keep in mind moving forward through the rest of these. We know that. The political reaction to this movie, to this whole series, really, was a bunch of people pretending like they had no idea this was right. a problem. Yes, the cla- we call it the classic. It is the yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see maybe the direct timeline of that. It would be really interesting if this if this movie had better Wikipedia. Entries, it would probably get into some of that, like yeah. you know, political, the, you know, backlash. Or the last film we'll be watching, Colossal Youth, came out in two thousand six, but the other two were nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety nine, and it's two thousand one when Portugal decriminalizes drugs and treats drug addiction as a public health crisis instead of as a a crime. Uh, And while we don't, I think we get it, from what I've read, we'll get it more overtly in Varda's room. So we don't get a lot of overt drug use in this movie. Right. Um, But there is the implication always of, of, you know, this is, what they're doing when they're just hanging around, as as Costa says in the interview, said so they're just sitting around doing drugs or whatever. Um, so I wonder, I, I don't, I just wonder how much of this movie in Varda's room was part of the political pushback that led led to the decriminalization of drugs. I'd be interested in exploring that if it if it all if it's something even explorable. Right. Well, th- I mean that's going to be the trick, right? Is that you're probably going to have to dig through a whole fuck ton of like Portuguese newspapers 
to right, figure that out, right, right? right? Like, or find somebody who has done that work. And as far as I can tell, not a lot of people have because then the Wikipedia would probably be a little bit more, um, a little more thorough, right? I think, um, right. It, it probably did. Um, but then again, like things happen because of a whole host of 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 factors, right? And so. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. I mean, it's possible that this movie galvanized a certain like group of people to start taking certain kinds of actions and stuff, but, um, you know, there there's still a pretty wide leap between this one and this movie, at least, and the decriminalization of 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 drug like of uh, drug use, right? Like because like what I mean is you as you pointed out, this movie implies a lot of drug, a fair amount of drug use, but doesn't like ever talk about it or show it or anything like that. And like you would, as a society have already have to acknowledge pretty internally that like, this is a problem in our society. And like, this is a group of people who suffer because of that problem. You know what I mean? Those connections aren't going to just show up like overnight because you watch this movie. Right. Because what reference there's, what sort of um, sort of tangential references references there are to drug use in here are very, um, very mild, right? Like it's very right, 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 right. Mostly you see people who seem like they might be strung out or something like that, right? There's um, right, which is not a lot, right? That's just not a lot. So if this is what galvanizes your your community to take action, well then. Damn, your community was already really on the cusp, right? Like, yeah, well, you already had internalized again, that pretty tightly. I think at that point, again, that that sort of interpretation of of political reality does hinge on uh, if the few things I've read about in Vondo's room play right. out. We are, as, that's where we're, actual, I think that's what right. we're going to find out. Right? Yeah. Is is right um, there? Right. Um, and even then, yeah. who knows? And even then, it's just going to be sort of a speculation that we we that we make because, like, you I think you'd almost have to be Portuguese and in Portugal in the, like the two thousands to actually right, know the right, answer right, to that right, question, right. or do an interview with a person who is Portuguese and in Portugal at the time. And even then, you're going to get whatever the sort of it's going to carry whatever biases they brought into it are right. Like, it's really hard to say. Um, about that sort of stuff, right? I, I, it, it's really becomes a question we probably can't answer. Uh, right. But it'll right. be interesting to see the movie to kind of get a better idea and sort of start formulating my own sort of uh, thoughts and opinions about it. Um, yeah. Well, Costa himself describes the making of Osos as a passage, to use his word, um, a uh, a passage in that it changed the way he approached making movies. So I'll be interested to see his next two movies yeah, to see exactly how that how that changed. Um, again, presuming that he started with a more traditional thing that uh, you know the other the other interviews suggest, but we haven't seen his previous movies, and these are the only three. Yeah, we never Pedro we Costa movies never we will, will watch. Um, so, yeah, but again, like we sort of in that regard, we had to sort of take him at his word, right? That like he did traditional movie making as a sort of member of traditional filmmaking yeah. sets and stuff. 
Uh, assuming everyone's on the level, I am incredibly happy to finally encounter a film shot on location in a poor area that seems to have taken extra care to respect right. the people of the area they are shooting in. Because uh, I really feel like that hasn't well, happened. And then, um, well, because honestly speaking, this hasn't happened very much in love it's we don't get a lot of this honestly right 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 there's the you know the direct the post-war rossellini stuff sort of does it by necessity but these are the places rossellini himself is maybe living so that's not really right big, and then and then we get a, um, a very different kind of poverty there as well because like right it's right, not right, right, right the right. necessities of sort of the cat you know the capitalist regime like constantly creating right, these right, zones right. that where people are both inside and outside of society, it's more like, hey, capitalist society has produced one of its natural outcomes, which is massive, massive war, which is just right, a, right. a sort of a, a general impoverisher. Uh, yeah, and then uh, and then with Gamora, we got it, but we got it out of fear from the movie makers, right. not out of respect. Right? Uh, they did. They they thought that they might be shot and did not want to be shot, right. so they did not step on any toes. Um, yeah, uh, and maybe that would have been true. They were making a movie about the mob. This is not a, a place where we're making a movie about the mob. Right. Uh, um, yeah. But maybe maybe that's why drug use is conspicuously absent here. Um, not not out of threat from dealers or, or any sort of organized crime, but just out of respect for the people. Yeah, and, and he was filming. And I think that that he didn't that, he didn't want to show that aspect in this moment. And that's where I think we got into a really like that's I think that that vibe that that you and I both got is what probably draws into stark relief with the things that were kind of said in the interview that kind of confused us, right? Right. Like, right I have right, a lot right. of respect for these people that I also view as not being like particularly valuable. Right. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. And We're going to find out more next week, I assume. They are particularly devalued uh, by society. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing where the rest of this box is. Yeah, me too. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I was really impressed by this movie. I don't know that it's a movie I'll ever revisit. Yeah, I don't know. I do think... I do think it is a movie that would be worthwhile to watch twice. I agree. If nothing uh, else, because you've seen it all the way through, some of the stuff that happens at the end of the movie might help to recontextualize the stuff at the beginning of the movie. And because yes. the movie is, is as we talked about, um, linear but not necessarily um, paced in a, in a way that where the timing is clear, you would probably, it would probably help you honestly kind of knowing where it goes to kind of get a better grasp of some of the stuff that happens at the beginning because even now i can sort of feel a grip on exactly the order of events and how they are all connected slipping away it was it was uh it was not very clear to begin with and it is becoming less clear in my head already uh and i think that's a function of, of just that that sort of feeling about the movie not being very clear about how things are all connected um makes it hard to kind of hold on to yeah yeah well i just have to watch it again i died to i yeah. as though i have time to watch extra movies right right i don't right. even get to watch movies uh, that are like my list of movies to watch so right uh well this has been osas uh bones by the way is the english translation of that i 
I, I don't. Yeah, I think we, we kind of said we, it, but I don't know. If we we, we kind of said that earlier, uh, but uh, let's make it make it more overt. Um, from you know, from the same root, we get ossuary as you know, a place where bones are stored and ossification and a bunch of other things, right? Yes, yes. Uh, from nineteen ninety seven, directed by Pedro Costa. Next week, we were talking about his nineteen ninety nine film with Invarda's room, and that'll be. You know, just the fact that she is playing herself will make it a more interesting adventure. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, Stripping off, speaking of stripping off, just another layer of sort of artifice, right? So thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Leon Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otardori. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Obertari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at J Patrick Dorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.